0: What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Clee Talk presented by FenleyRoadsports.com. I am your host, Bob. I'm hanging out talking my favorite hometown Cleveland sports, as always, with my older brother, Chris. Chris, what's going on, man?
1: Not much, man. Still have that tribe fever, even though the streak's over. But it is awesome to be a Cleveland Indians fan. I think we've said that every single week for the last month. But, man, Bob, it's official. They're going back to the playoffs.
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely. Obviously, the streak is over, but uh, Indians clinched uh, a playoff berth and then clinched the Central Division uh, right after that streak wrapped up. Um, But Chris, 22 games in a row. That is good for the American League record by a couple games. uh, And in where It depends on where you land on some controversy, but it's either the record or the second best record in, in all of Major League Baseball. Only the 1916 Giants have a longer record. I mean, Chris, just overall thoughts before we dive into this stuff. Uh, how incredible was this streak?
1: It's unbelievable. Only seven teams have achieved a winning streak of 20 games or more in the history of baseball Okay, it goes back to 1884 St. Louis Maroons Providence Grays it goes back to 1916 and 1880 and I don't care what you say about the old era the fact that only 7 teams in the history of this sport dating all the way back to 1880 have ever done something like this it's pretty hard to do this okay I don't I don't want to hear modern era old era it is really hard to do what the Cleveland Indians just did now you could argue that it's harder to do it now than it was then I get that given the fact that a lot of the teams in the seven did it prior to 1935 I'll give you that but I don't want to hear about eras and things like that this is An exceptionally hard accomplishment, arguably even more so in the modern era, since only two of these 20-game win streaks have come after 1935. Uh, It's exceptionally impressive. It will go down in history as one of the greatest runs ever, and the Indians should be proud and applauded and and, and very classy by a lot of the Kansas City players to tip their caps to the Cleveland Indians, um, even after they broke the streak. Uh, so, so this this was baseball history right here. We may never see something like this again.
0: Yes, yeah, so certainly historic. I mean, you, you mentioned the the teams that have eclipsed twenty uh, wins in a row, but if you push that back even further to, to just a sixteen, not not just, but to a sixteen game win streak, uh, there are only six teams uh, ha- have had a win streak of sixteen games or longer post 1950. So, for for the Indians to go past 16 games and then go all the way to 22, uh, to the top of the record books. I mean, yeah, it's, it's impressive, Uh, a win streak that, you know, even if, uh, you know, from the A's to the Indians, every 15 years, we see a win streak, we're not going to see a lot of win streaks in our lifetime that, that eclipse 20 games. And it's probably even less likely to see some in the future. Uh, yeah, we, we witnessed history and it was impressive. Uh, they did it, majority now there were some close games particularly win number 22 which was magical Uh, but majority of those games Chris were dominant uh, on all sides of the ball pitching bullpen defense offense Uh, you know whenever they needed a play to happen in any of those facets they got it Uh, they won comfortably comfortably uh, but in most of those games uh, it was just really impressive and really fun to watch for All of Major League Baseball, but especially for for, uh, a Cleveland Indian fan like myself.
1: Oh yeah, it it, it wasn't just that they won twenty two straight, Bob. As you said, they were dominating teams. I mean, really, the only close game where you felt like they were going to lose happened in the last end of the streak. I mean, the the Detroit game. I was at that game when they won to make it twenty. Thanks to my boss giving us, uh, you know, me three free tickets. uh, Took took our parents to the game. That was very fun. We all got to enjoy the game and see them win 20 games twenty games in a row. Uh, you know, they led the whole way, but but there was that intensity. You know, it was only like a 2-1 to win. So uh, there, there was a chance, and Miguel Cabrera came up with a runner on second and a chance to, to potentially tie it or, or, or take the lead. So obviously, uh, whenever Miguel Cabrera comes up with a running and scoring position, uh, that's not a good position. I don't care what he's hitting uh, this year. Um, but yeah, no, it, it It wasn't just that they won 22 straight. It was the way they did it. They dominated teams. They dominated good teams like the Yankees. They beat the Red Sox like 13 to... I think it was 13 to 6. So, they they didn't just win all these games. They dominated and... I I can't I can't really think of anything more to say. It's just been a legendary, remarkable, historic run, and the Cleveland Indians. Whether you think they're number one or number two, I don't think it matters. This streak is going to stand the test of time. They, they, I don't care if somebody else does it or even breaks it. It's not going away ever.
0: Yeah, definitely. I I'm, I'm really jealous that you got to go witness a, a piece of history. Uh, that, that win number twenty. Um, again just to put some numbers around i mean the indians had a run differential during the streak of over a hundred runs <laughs> over the course of a 22 game win streak which is just insane i mean most teams finish a season with, with a, a good team would finish a season with a run differential in the hundreds indians are sitting at a plus 227 run differential which is by far the the, the biggest run differential uh in the major leagues but During that streak, yeah, they they were dominant, and it was super fun to watch for sure. Uh, Chris, this win streak does not come without a little bit of controversy, or maybe no controversy depending where you fall on it. The New York Giants in 1916 had a 26-game win streak that uh, some people put a little asterisk on it and describe it as an unbeaten streak because there was a rainout that resulted in a tie during that win streak. Chris, do you consider the, the 22 games that the Indians won to be the MLB record for for wins, uh, consecutive wins in, in Major League Baseball, or do you believe the Giants have the rightful spot at number one and the Indians at number two?
1: No, I believe the Giants have the rightful spot. They won 26 games in a row. You can talk to me about era. I get it. The Indians may be more impressive because they did it in the modern era, much harder to do it now with more teams, more talent, and just deeper rotations. I get that. You can make that argument. But please don't tell me that the tie invalidates the streak because I I understand that there was an unofficial tie that broke up the streak. But if you look at the Chicago Cubs' 2016 record or schedule, they also have a tie in the middle of their schedule as well. Baseball, from what I can figure out, denotes postponed or non-made up games as ties that tie did not count towards the giants overall record they played 152 games by record but their schedule has 155 all three of them ties that tie the tie in question that broke up the streak allegedly was made up the next day and the giants won the game So, the fact of the matter is, it was just a postponed game that was made up, as far as I can see. I don't understand why that invalidates the script. Bob, if the Indians had a rainout against, say, the Tigers on Tuesday, and then they went on to beat the Tigers twice on Wednesday, you would say that they won 21 games in a row, would you not? I, I, I just, you wouldn't consider that Tuesday rainout a tie. I don't think anyone would. Everyone would just say, "Oh no, that's not a tie. That's a rainout." Well, that that's essentially what the Giants had. They they had a game postponed. They made it up, and they still won. I, I, to me, the Giants have the record: twenty six straight ga- games. I don't even I don't know why people are are making this into a big deal because this is not something that's that's that irregular, and it's not a a real tie. It's not like their end of the season record says 66 and one, just says eighty six and sixty six. That that's it's it's ridiculous how much is this is being made into something that, that really honestly is quite silly.
0: Yeah. I don't know if it uh, was made into something more so that the, everyone wanted a a quick tag and a headline that the Indians are chasing the win streak record. Um, instead of explaining it and moving on a lot of the headlines and, and clicks and and taglines were, uh, an unbeaten streak that resulted in a tie and they mentioned nothing else of it You'd have to actually like read a, a full article to get the explanation of it and I think that's where it's coming from It's not that people are stirring up the pot and, and causing drama It's just we had an interpretation that uh, Made it seem like this Giants unbeaten streak was less impressive than than what it actually is I mean, it, it, it's a win streak. It's a 26-game win streak in, in, in my opinion and your opinion Uh, And I think most people, when they hear the rationale, would would agree with that. Not to switch
1: subjects here, but I'm looking at a list of uh, win streaks. Chicago White Stockings' 21-game win streak was broken by the Cleveland Spiders. So the Cleveland Spiders sending their future team an assist by halting that streak at 21 so these Cleveland Indians could set the record at 22. Pretty cool. Thanks, Cleveland Spiders, for doing that. But uh, going back to the New York thing, Bob, I I totally agree. I mean, I just think it's ridiculous that this tie is even called a tie. Because to me, it's not even a tie. It wasn't an official game. It was postponed. It didn't happen as far as I'm concerned. Their 26-game win streak deserves to be honored as the record. Now, if you're talking more impressive, I think 22 straight in the modern era is more impressive than 26 straight in that era where they played, Bob, a 30-game homestand during that streak. I don't, they didn't travel at all. And, you know, the, the rotations are deeper now. The bullpens are better now. I mean, they didn't even really use a bullpen back then, Bob. The, the, the game is much tougher in the modern era to do something like this. So I do think the Cleveland-Indian streak is more impressive. But we're talking about a record, 26, greater than 22. You got to tip your cat to the New York Giants.
0: Yeah, for sure. They're they're number one. Indians are number two. Indians have the American League record for win streak, which is in and of itself very impressive. Um, And I agree with you. I mean, uh, I hate getting sucked into these debates against which era was better. Uh, I think it just depends when when the game, what field you're talking about. I mean, if we're going to travel back in time and send the 2017 Indians back in time, yeah, they would probably win 160 games in a row because the athletes and everything that the indians do uh, that they have trained for is just superior and better in every way if the indians grew up in that era and then tried to play baseball i think it'd be a level playing field uh, just because of the the advanced stats that we have in technology and the commitment to the game that that we have now i I don't know it's hard to compare uh, two different eras but yes i agree it's um, much more difficult now to go on a win streak than it was back then as evidenced by all the win streaks that we, you see uh on the wikipedia page for mlb win streaks so um yeah certainly an impressive very impressive feat for the cleveland indians some say chris that this is so impressive that it is more impressive than a team winning a world series do you agree with that and which would you rather have
1: Oh, man. I I think the people saying that really haven't truly experienced what it's like to lose a World Series. And and I shouldn't be saying that because everyone should have the scar of 2016 fresh in their mind. Um, But I'm referring more to the 97 World Series. Look, last year was more like 95. It was just fun to get there. And, oh, we almost won, but we'll be back this team's going to stay together forever. This, there's no way this team won't win at least three, right, Bob? Oh, they didn't win any. And they lost to a Miami team that doesn't even appreciate baseball, let alone a world championship. It is, It was still the worst Cleveland sports memory of my lifetime, that 97 World Series loss. And the fact that those 90s teams were so great, And so dominant, and they only got to two World Series. Bob, just think about how great they were. And, I mean, look, I don't want to minimize what they did, but they have nothing to show for it. They don't have a championship. And I think everyone, you know, 2016 was fun and awesome, and everyone thinks this is going to last forever. It is not going to last forever. I'm not saying the window is going to slam shut after this year. I do think they have a good run in them. uh, Anywhere from three to five years— but I see people on Twitter saying, there's no way this team's not going to win a World Series in the next three years. This streak is forever. There's no way that this team is, isn't given a world. You're not given a championship. There's no givens in sports. How many great teams, Bob, have we seen swept by the wayside? The Oakland A's, who won 20 straight, don't have a World Championship. Not that year, not in this Billy Bean era. And they've had some great ones. So don't tell me that a championship is given because you win 22 straight. Or don't tell me that this window is so good that there's no way they can't win the World Series. It is ridiculous to prioritize this streak over a World Series championship. And anyone who's saying that obviously forgets how bad 97 hurt. Because that's what it's going to feel like if this team doesn't win one. It's not going to feel like 95. That was the feel good, we got there, we've arrived moment like last year. From here on in, every painful loss, if there is one, hopefully they win the next four or five. I, I don't want any more painful losses. But every loss from here on in is going to feel more like 97. And so tell me If the Indians happen to not close the deal and tell me how good that streak feels then. Because I'm telling you, Bob, and and I I think you you agree with me here. The pain of losing in the playoffs is so great. Cleveland should be very well familiar with it. (laughs) If you're saying this 22-game win streak is more important than a world championship, I I really don't know what to tell you. Because it's not
0: yeah as great as the this win streak has been and it's been fun entertaining uh exciting and i'm happy that cleveland has done it to raise some awareness for just how good cleveland baseball is right now uh it makes me nervous heading into the postseason if the indians don't go to this world series or if they don't win the world series i'll be mightily disappointed and that has been elevated because of the streak I, i i think the the idea that this is more that this is better than winning a world series comes out of baseball's obsession with numbers and and the people around it uh how they love to analyze the stats which i also love to dive into Um, yes going on this win streak is statistically more impressive than winning a world series as is me hitting a home run off of a cory kluber sinker that would be more impressive statistically and, and probability-wise than the Indians winning a World Series. However, nobody cares about me hitting a home run off of Corey Kluber. Ask any major league baseball player, ask any kid growing up, ask any minor leaguer, anybody that's playing baseball right now, what is their ultimate dream in baseball, and it's winning the World Series. Everyone values that more than any other statistical statistical achievement Or oddity that that comes out of a baseball season, World Series is is the crown. It's what everybody cares about and what everyone values. If the Indians don't win a World Series, as you said, this year or during this run of this current roster, it'll be a massive disappointment that's only enlarged because they went on such a historic win streak.
1: The team I, I use the analogy for is this. If you're the New England Patriots, would you rather have an 18-game win streak or a Super Bowl championship? Because as great as they were in 2007, all they had to show for it was an 18-game win streak. 16-0 impressive. 18 wins in a row impressive. But, everybody always says, but they couldn't close the deal. And at the end of the day, if the Indians don't win at all, that will be attached to them as well, and especially so if they don't at least get to the World Series. So, Bob, you're right. It does ratchet up the pressure a bit, and I hope that they can handle it. But this team is just in the World Series. They know how to play big-time playoff baseball. Look, when the playoffs start, they're not going to be thinking about the streak. Oh, I've got to win the World Series to validate the streak. No, they're going to be thinking, hey, i got to win the World Series to win the World Series, okay? There's enough pressure in the postseason. I'm not saying it's going to get to them. But from a fan's perspective, it's certainly going to put me on even more pins and needles than I was before because it's like, oh man, now we really have to do something here because we've been so great. And, and, and it does add a little element to it, but, but it also makes it exciting as well. I mean, Bob, the run was fantastic, 22 games in a row. It's exciting that they're going to go back to the playoffs as a division champ, that they're putting themselves in the best position possible to win this thing. Now you just got to sit back and hope that nothing fluky or, or bad happens, that they just keep playing great baseball.
0: Yeah, certainly. And, and they, they, at least in the short term, they have done so, uh, rebounding uh, with some wins against Kansas City. So uh, this team looks locked in. Uh, you know, th- the last day they, they won 22, they reactivated Andrew Miller to, to rejoin that bullpen. So they're getting healthier, they're getting better. Uh, if anybody can shake out the noise, it's these Cleveland Indians. I think Terry Francona. And just the, the, the personality of, of most of the guys in that locker room, they have shown through almost two seasons now that they're able to tune out a lot of noise and just focus on winning the next game. So super excited about uh, what oh, the Indians have in store for us in October. Uh, but Chris, this win streak uh, obviously uh, the Ind- made the Indians the talk of Major League Baseball for almost three weeks. That elevated a lot of people's status uh, in the national spotlight, particularly the MVP conversation. Uh, Indians now have two potential finalists for the MVP, and Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez do in part because of the way they just shredded the baseball during this win streak. Uh, what are the chances that Lindor or Ramirez uh, come home with the MVP?
1: Well, I think at least one of them will be a finalist. I think that is – I would be stunned if if – at least one of them wasn't in the final three. But I looked at the numbers. Jose Altuve is having a fantastic year. Now, now, I know the power isn't quite there, but he's still hitting 23 home runs, 42 extra base hits. 77 RBIs is kind of on par with what Lindor and Ramirez are doing, even though it's probably a little light for an MVP candidate. Uh, but that four, 348 average, 409 on-base percentage, I mean, they're, they're, those are eye-popping numbers, and he's playing for a really good team. So I, I do think that this is, and, and 31 steals, let's not forget that. I do think that that it is his to lose, and Altuve is probably going to win it. I think the more interesting question for me is, will Ramirez and Lindor both be finalists over Mike Trout because Mike Trout is not having a Mike Trout like year now don't get me wrong he's hitting 315 29 home runs 65 RBIs and 26 extra base hits very good numbers but uh you look at Ramirez's stats 56 extra base hits 27 home runs 75 RBIs 3.14 3.14 average right there with Trout. Better than Trout in most of those categories. Lindor, the only category he's trailing Trout in his average, 279. I think that will be a differentiating factor. But 81 RBIs, 30 home runs, and 44 extra base hits are right up there with him. That will be interesting to see. I think the final three will be Altuve, Ramirez, and Trout with Lindor a close fourth. And I do think Altuve will bring home the award if, if I'm handicapping the race right now.
0: Yeah, uh just straight off I I I uh agree that Altuve is the front runner. Uh the the stats between him, Lindor and, and Ramirez are too close uh and he has uh hold of average and hits and on-base percentage and steal, stolen bases by a large margin over those two. Um the other two Ramirez and Lindor don't have better power RBI numbers than, than Altuve or it, m- Better in a sense that it's more impressive than what Altuve is doing. Plus, uh, for all the Sabre metrics, Altuve is the leader uh, positioning player uh, in in WAR wins over replacement uh, for the American League. So I, I think it is Altuve's to lose. Plus, he's on a Houston Astros team that still could finish with the best record in the American League. Uh, Mike Trout is probably the most interesting part because he missed about a month's worth of baseball, still putting up huge numbers. Uh, I, I think... You know there is a potential for, one, some Mike Trout fatigue because he uh, has been so dominant in MVP uh, voting and 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 statistically that uh, that this down year plus the Angels missing the playoffs plus Trout missing a month uh, of the season could push him lower in, in voting and I think it is feasible that Lindor and Ramirez could finish two and three. Chris, if you had to ask me who is the most valuable position player right now in the American League and possibly all Major League Baseball, I'm picking Jose Ramirez. His position versatility, uh, the way he has hit in multiple spots in the lineup and leads the league in extra base hits. He leads the league in doubles and combine that with his upper 20 home runs. He he, he by far leads the league in extra base hits. He He's my pick. I mean, he plays stellar defense, second base and third base, I know Lindor and and Altuve also play really good defense uh, up the middle, but the the way Ramirez has been so versatile for the Indians I think puts him over the edge. But in terms of voting, I think it's going to go to Altuve.
1: Yeah, and, and you said it best, Bob. Like, in order to trump a guy like Altuve who has such a dominant lead in steals and average, you got to bring some pop. You got to be at that forty home run range and, and flirting with a hundred RBIs. If they were there, then it would be a one-two race. But, but I agree with you. I think Altuve is going to win this, and, and he's certainly deserving of it. I'm not saying he's not. He's on a fantastic team. He's a big reason why that team is is. Succeeding because Bob, remember the Astros have been dealing with some significant injuries. Uh, you know, Correra and George Springer both missing time throughout the year, so he has been the constant in that lineup. I think that's going to bode well for him as well. And his defense is outstanding; certainly a Gold Glove caliber second baseman. Uh, but but I agree with you, Bob. Jose Ramirez is just so versatile. He can play outfield. He can play anywhere in the infield. And his bat can can really go anywhere in the lineup. He is probably the most versatile player in the American League. Um, it's not to say that maybe Altuve and Lindor could play other positions, but they're just so good at their primary position that why would you ever move them off there? Uh, but but from from a versatility standpoint, Jose Ramirez is definitely number one. And, and I agree with you, Bob. There, there certainly could be some Mike Trout fatigue. I hope there is. It would be great to see two Cleveland Indians players in the in the top three, and I think there's a very good chance that that could happen—that Lindor and Ramirez could finish in the top three of MVP voting. But uh, they're 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 not going to sweep the podium. Jose Altuve is—I is, is, would I would be surprised if he didn't win this award.
0: Certainly uh, this year and last year, I have seen some wide open American League MVP races. I think this year is no different. Uh, the two the remaining two weeks will will help illuminate that uh, possibly. But I do think it's going to be a close finish. Likewise, with the American League Cy Young, though, it's not a three-headed race. It's a two-headed race between Corey Kluber with the Indians and Chris Sale and Boston Red Sox. Uh, Chris Kluber has been dominant during the win streak, uh, you know, his usual self uh, this late in, in the season. Um, you could go either way with this. Who is your pick for Cy Young at this point?
1: Well, First off, let me say any voter who doesn't have Kluber and Sale 1-2 in their ballots should not be allowed to vote again. Period, end of story. I don't care how good Luis Savino has been, and he's been fantastic. He's probably gonna be the third finalist. He should not be in the top two. Period. This is a two team two-person race. And it is neck and neck. Now, a couple of things going for Kluber. A, he has caught sale in most of the significant categories. War, whip, ERA wins 12-4 and four record. He has more complete games. He has more shutouts than Sale has complete games. That's impressive in and of itself. And despite missing a significant portion of the season, about 3-4 weeks, he only has 10 fewer innings than Chris Sale, though Sale has three more starts, 30-27. to 27. Now, here's the thing that's going to work for Sale. If Sale gets 300 strikeouts, that's a huge number. Very impressive. He plays for Boston, bigger market, going to get some more attention but the big thing for me is Sale has not won the Cy Young before. Kluber has, and there may be a tendency to favor the guy who hasn't won it before when the race is this tight. The other thing working for Kluber, though, is that Sale has struggled down the stretch, most notably over the weekend, while Kluber pitched yet another dominant outing on Sunday. So, I think the momentum is building towards Kluber. If if I'm picking right now, I pick Kluber. I think it's Kluber's to lose. But all it's going to take here in the last two weeks is one disaster start on either one to really swing this race. That's how close it is. I think at best, Kluber's odds are maybe 55 60%. And, and I wouldn't shock me if Sale won. And I wouldn't even be mad if Sale won because Sale's had a fantastic year. And I think anyone who's trying to downplay Sale's great year just to hype up Kluver, that's the wrong way to go about it. Look at Corey Kluver and what he's done. He is a worthy and deserving candidate, and I would vote for him if I had a vote. But if Chris Sale won the award, I would not be mad because he is totally deserving as well.
0: Yeah, man, this is this is neck and neck at this point. Uh, I agree with you. I think it's going to come down to what happens in the remaining starts. Um, something to consider is the Indians are so far ahead uh, in that American League Central, um, and even uh, ha- comfortably ahead of the Boston Red Sox to to secure at least home field advantage in the American League Division Series. That I, I imagine Corey Kluber has two starts left. Um, I think he, he's only only possibly could have two starts at this point but in those two starts uh i I imagine that he's not going to be pitching complete game shutouts i mean uh terry francona is going to give him some rest and and monitor him on a pitch count unlike the boston red sox who are in a division race right now against the new york yankees and have to keep pace chris sale also uh could possibly start an additional third game so if he's dominant down the stretch has that extra game uh, that's four extra starts to Corey Kluber and eclipses the 300 strikeout record, which would make him only the 15th player in Major League Baseball history to reach 300 strikeouts. I think the only time uh, that those guys did not win the Cy Young was when uh, Pedro Martinez had 300 strikeouts and Kurt Schilling also had 300 strikeouts in the same season. So uh, if he reaches that threshold and, and maintains his sub three ERA, I think it's Chris Sales to lose. But uh, it's been trending in Corey Kluber's direction for about a month and a half now. Sale has not been as sharp as Kluber has been during that stretch. And if things go sideways for for Sale during those three starts, uh, it's definitely Corey Kluber's. But that 300 strikeout threshold is a monumental achievement. And I think plus the Boston, plus he hasn't won a Cy Young previously, plus they could be AL East champions. Uh, I think it's all tilted towards Chris Sale to win.
1: Yeah, that 300 strikeout number is huge, and I think a lot of people in Cleveland are underestimating just how big that number is. Uh, Those of you who are still, rewind a bit and just listen to what Bob said about Cy Young winners and 300 strikeouts. It's a huge number. But Kluber, about a 10-point lead in WHIP, about a 50-point lead in ERA, and Bob, those extra starts could flip on Chris Sale if, for instance, the Red Sox falter and he has a bad outing that costs them the division. That could leave a sour taste in voters' mouths. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. He has a chance. He has probably a better chance to prove himself to voters because this race is so close. But if he falters, that could really blow up in his face and Kluber could get the award anyway. So it's going to be it's, it's a neck-and-neck neck race. I agree with you, Bob. I, I would vote for Kluber, but I, I, I'm kind of thinking Chris Sale is going to win the award. Where's
0: Rick Purcell gonna finish this year?
1: <laughs> not in the top three. <laughs> uh,
0: Ten and seventeen with a four forty six ERA. Chris, I I said it before. I think he's gonna go down as the worst pitcher to win Cy Young.
1: I I, I cannot believe. it. Look, I'm not a Justin Verlander fan. I would have been more happy had he won it because he or Kluber deserved it. I mean, I could not believe that he was the guy who won it. And, and that just goes to show how big of an advantage pitching for Boston is right there. Not to minimize his 22 win record tip of the cat Kluber and Verlander were better in almost every other statistical meaningful category. And let's just be real wins for a starting pitcher is the worst way to measure a starting pitcher. So uh, that last year's race was just ridiculous Um kluber or verlander should have brought that thing home
0: yeah for sure and that's not to confuse 300 strikeouts with 22 wins i think 300 strikeouts is is much more impressive than that win threshold
1: 300 strikeouts that, that that is a that is an unbelievable number i mean bob i don't think we can stress enough just how big of a feather that will be in chris sale's cap he only needs 13 more to do it i'm gonna bet he gets it
0: I think Randy Johnson did it three times which is insane but <laughs> Randy Johnson is an insane pitcher so Dude,
1: that's unbelievable just bottom line
0: yeah for sure well things will, will shape up in the awards race uh, the Indians uh, have made their statement though and have put the rest of the league on notice I think uh, Ramirez Lindor Kluber all have chances to pad their stats and, and make their case a little bit more but Um, they will certainly all be finalists for their uh, awards or finish in top five, Ramirez and Linder, in their case. Uh, So we will keep tabs on how they're doing and how those races are shaping up. But, Chris, it's time to talk a little bit of football. The Cleveland Browns played Uh. the Baltimore Ravens. (laughs) Uh, And despite the score of only losing by two touchdowns, 24-10 to against Baltimore, uh, this was a, a very ugly showing for a Cleveland Browns offense. Five total turnovers uh, against the Ravens. Deshaun Kaiser responsible for three interceptions and a fumble. Uh, he had to leave the game for a little bit for, due to a migraine. Kevin Hogan comes in throws another interception. Uh, Chris, the, the, the Browns got manhandled offensively uh, by that Ravens defense. Uh, what Other than that very obvious statement, what other takeaway do you have from that game?
1: Well, I wasn't able to watch much of it because I was at a wedding on Sunday. Uh, very fun wedding, by the way. Uh, congratulations to Ray and Hallie, if you're listening. Uh, but my takeaway is that this these Browns offense is going to struggle all year long because it, it is just looking like there is there's a lot of things that need to happen for it to be a competent NFL offense. Uh, Namely, they need more playmakers. I mean, right now, they're just so reliant on on such young guys to be number one receivers. And and, and they just don't have a guy that scares defenses. And when you don't have a weapon that scares defenses or a signal caller that scares defenses, and and, and a rookie signal caller at that, uh, you're going to have a lot of games like you've had the last two weeks. Just ugly offense, I think the encouraging sign is that the defense playing against two of the stalwarts in our division has played very well, limiting Baltimore to 24 points, Pittsburgh to 14 defensive points, the blocked punt uh, being uh, not really responsible by the defense. Um, So I think the defense is the main takeaway for me that the defense has been playing so well. Um, But I think it's going to be a very... Tough year to watch this Browns offense because A, they don't have a lot of playmakers, and B, Bob, we got some even worse news that one of their big playmakers might miss some very significant time.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, and you're referring to Corey Coleman breaking his hand, requiring surgery. We're not sure how long he'll be out at this point, but he missed six games uh due to a broken hand that didn't require surgery last year. So Um, Their number one overall or not overall but their number one draft choice uh, in last year's draft Uh, Their big play threat Corey Coleman is going to miss some time Uh, But even before breaking that hand Chris, he was a non-factor and that was really disappointing one catch for nine yards Combine that with Kenny Britt's one catch for two yards Britt on the season has two receptions for 15 yards total This guy is making the same amount of money as Terrell Pryor uh, and has not shown up Those are your two if if there's a for sure playmaker uh on that offense it's those two guys and, and they have not shown up uh though cory coleman did have a good game against pittsburgh i'll give him that um without cory coleman and uh looking at this browns offense two games in is deshaun kaiser already the most impressive player on that offense
1: I, I don't know. I don't think there is one. I, I'm sorry. I, I just I can't give that award out to anyone because it's just been so bad. And and Bob Kenny Britt is trending into Dwayne Bow territory right now. I mean, it's it's looking this bad. Um, and I know a lot of people were very angry that uh, you know that money didn't go to Terrell Pryor. Um, we we can talk about that later. But uh, yeah, it, it, right, Bob. That, <sighs> they they've got. Three young quarterbacks, two sophomores, and a rookie. Uh, a lot of growing pains. An offensive line that that's veteran, but but Bob, you're not gonna you, look. You need an offensive line, but but they're not the playmakers, man. You need guys who can challenge the defense, and I just don't see any of them on on this Browns team right now. I, I just think they're they're so young, so raw on offense that it's going to be a struggle most of the year. Uh, the good news is the Colts are coming, or you know, they're going to Indianapolis, they're not coming to the but they're going to Indianapolis this weekend, and that defense is not exactly locked down, maybe they can get something going against the Colts, and if Andrew Luck doesn't play, it could be a game that the Browns could kind of get, get some just confidence under their belt uh, and, and taste a victory.
0: Yeah, and just a couple hours ago, Andrew Luck confirmed out against the Browns, so Jacoby is starting for the Colts so that bodes well I mean the the Browns defense did uh hold up against the Ravens despite their offense turning the ball over five times to only give up 24 points I mean you know I don't want to give concessions out but that's it could have gotten a lot worse it could have been a lot worse uh against the Ravens um another bright spot David Njoku rookie tight end did catch a touchdown pass uh so that that's good to see um, Chris I'll tell you who the most impressive offensive player is on the Browns it's Joe Thomas who surpassed his 10,000 consecutive snap streak with the Browns I mean we talked a little bit about that in, in the preview for, for this season that he would eclipse that uh, sometime this season but I mean again just how impressive is that guy
1: a true Iron Man. I mean 10,000 consecutive snaps uh, it's not like the Browns have clinched home field advantage at any point during this run either um and and even when they've had nothing to play for, he just keeps playing. I, I think that um, Joe Thomas is, is always going to be a player that is uh, dear to Clevelanders' hearts uh, just because of the way he goes about his business. Because of what he did on draft day, he went fishing instead of getting involved with the hoopla. I guess it just started there. And then he just shows up every day. Uh, pretty funny guy. I mean, if you follow him on Twitter, he has a nice, uh, the Joe Thomas hour, the best five minutes of your life. I think it's the best title ever. Uh, just... Uh, fun stuff, and at, at the same time, I mean, just just one of the best linemen to ever play for Cleveland, and it's saying a lot because back in the day, they've had a lot of really strong linemen playing for this franchise. None of us remember them, but uh, you know, they they were there. I promise you, they played for this franchise, even though we we, we were a little too young to have seen them play. Um, but you know, hats off to Joe Thomas. I'm so glad he's been a part of this team. Um. But at the same time, it certainly doesn't look like uh, he's going to be part of a, of a playoff run anytime soon. Uh, this team no. has a long way to go
0: offensively. Yeah, definitely. Not missing a single snap since he was a rookie. Um, Peter King's article this morning says that he played through a great 2 LCL tear, three MCL strains, and two high ankle sprains in his career. I'm sure there are other guys uh, in the league not to fault them at all. That would not be able to play through some of those injuries, um, you know, to be given 10,000 opportunities to play in the NFL to, to be on the field means that you're good, but Joe Thomas not only is good, he's been the best or one of the best, uh, every single season. So that makes it even more impressive for him. Um, Chris looking forward though, the Colts, not with Andrew Luck, uh, Brown's on the road in India- Indianapolis. Uh, what chance do you give them of winning that game?
1: I give them a solid chance, but let's not forget Arizona just went into Indianapolis and needed overtime to beat a Jacoby Brissett-led Colts. So let's not totally underestimate the Colts here. They still have guys like T.Y. Hilton, Frank Gore, who can beat you. Uh, But I like the way this Browns defense has played. I like the fact that they took one of the best offenses in the NFL and held them to 14 defensive points. I know they gave up 21 in the game, but as we said earlier, blocked punt. And, um... The Baltimore Ravens going on the road and, and, and doing what they did to the Ravens' offense on the road is pretty solid. 24 points, Joe Flacco. I'm not saying it was a shutdown effort, but but it was a solid road effort from a young defense. I think the defense can can give them enough to win this game. The question is, can the offense muster enough? Because Arizona's got a much better offense than Cleveland. I mean, who doesn't? But, but it's significantly better. And they only scored 13 in regulation needed overtime to win. So, you know, Colts defense playing at home is a little bit better. Uh, I I think if the Browns can muster some offense, they can win this game. But the the bottom line is they got to find someone on offense who can step up and challenge the defense. Because if you don't have that, it it doesn't take much to to stymie the Browns.
0: No, definitely not. Um, Chris, the Browns threw the ball 42 times uh, against the Ravens. I understand, you know, once you're down in in the late game, you're going to throw the ball more. But only 10 carries to Isaiah Crowell F- feed the beast. I mean, you invested in the offensive line, your, your quarterback, your, your rookie quarterback that has shown potential, uh, has already exited the game once due to a possible concussion. It's only been ruled a migraine, but I mean, you got to think that, uh, your top wide receiver is injured. Your big free agent wide receiver. It has been a no show. Give it to Crowell and see what he can do. Get him 20 carries against the Colts. Uh, we've seen, through the years these Indianapolis Colts can't stop a power back aka LeGarrette Blount. Mm-hmm. Give it to Isaiah Crowell and see what he can do. Don't give up on the run like they have in the past.
1: Just google LeGarrette Blunt, comma Colts and you will see <laughs> a brilliant game plan uh, for beating the Indianapolis Colts. You're absolutely right Bob. Isaiah Crowell needs to be fed a lot in this game because that is the uh not so secret weakness of the Colts defense.
0: Yeah. Though I would argue there isn't really a strength of the Colts defense, but <laughs> definitely No, not not much. <laughs> that internal uh, run defense isn't strong. So, we'll see. This is one of the games uh we said if Andrew Luck doesn't play, uh the Browns have a chance and I still think they do have a chance to to win this game, but um the some guys need to step up and I don't know who that is cuz they haven't been stepping up in the past two games but they need some playmakers for sure Um, we will check in and see the results of that game next week but Chris quickly moving to the college ranks in Columbus Ohio State bouncing back from that loss to Oklahoma with a predictable win against uh, Army 38 to 7 any takeaways from that
1: not really I mean honestly this is what I don't like about college football I feel like like, nowadays, there are not a lot of very good games on the schedule. Maybe maybe when I was younger, I just was so excited for college football that I didn't notice it. But, Bob, I feel like you can only circle about three or four games on every team's schedule and, and, and really get all jazzed up for them. I'm not trying to bash Army, but I am bashing Army. I mean, I don't think anyone's surprised that Ohio State won this convincingly. And, uh, you know, it's. I, I think it's a, 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 a couple weeks late of uh just not very entertaining games for the buckeyes going for for the next foreseeable future
0: yeah i mean it's not just the buckeyes it's everybody any big time program in college football has one of these cupcake games at least for ohio state's credit it is a division one team i mean some teams dip down and uh you know get the local d2 team to come over but um yeah, I mean no no surprise there. 38 to 7. I'm actually if I'm su- surprised about anything I'm I'm surprised that they only scored 38 points. I uh, they they have the potential to 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 really lay the hammer down on on those uh cupcake games like this, but um yeah, nothing nothing impressive there.
1: I think it was only 17-7 in the third quarter, too. So, Ohio State pulled away late. Um but yeah, but, I mean it's just I am glad that nowadays with the college football playoff, most of the big conferences are saying, "Okay, enough FCS. We're going to at least schedule Division One." But there's still a lot of guys you can get in Division One who are not very good and not very competitive. And and you know, tip of the cap to Army. Obviously, respect what the people on that team are doing for the country. But from an entertainment standpoint, it's not very fun football to watch them play Ohio State.
0: No, certainly not.
1: All righty, man. Well, we'll have some more Tribe action. They're on the West Coast. so It's going to be tough to watch them this week, a uh, little bit past my bedtime with job and everything. But hopefully they will come back from the West Coast with many a victory, and hopefully the Browns will come back from Indianapolis with another win, and the Buckeyes will keep rolling along next week on Clee Talk. But that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Clee Talk, presented by FenleyRoadSports.com. If you want to listen to our old episodes, you can go to FenleyRoadSports.com and find them there. You can also subscribe to our podcast via iTunes. Just search Fenley Road Sports and click Clee Talk. It's that simple. Or you can click the icon in the upper right-hand corner of FenleyRoadSports.com. You can follow us on Facebook or Twitter by searching for Fenley Road Sports. Or again, click the icon in the upper right-hand corner of Fenleyroadsports.com. We appreciate your support and hope you'll come back for another episode of Klee Talk. But until then, go Tribe and go Browns.
0: I'll see you, Chris. Go Tribe.
1: Take it easy, Bob.